Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. I have had the hardest time finding a tax accountant that will talk to me, that will strategize, that will think through issues with my business. And I can tell you as a small business owner, there is nothing more frustrating. Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter, founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. My guest today is Amy Vetter. Amy is the CEO of the B3 Method Institute, a keynote speaker, corporate board member, author, and contributor to Inc.com and Entrepreneur.com. Amy authored the book, Business, Balance, and Bliss, How the B3 Method Can Transform Your Career and Life. She's also the host of the Breaking Beliefs podcast. I wanted to have Amy on to talk about how to better manage yourself and your time in your business and your life so that you find better balance. Please welcome Amy Vetter. Amy Vetter, welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We're going to talk about how to handle your business and your life and the constant tug of technology. So for a lot of people who are in business for themselves, they are responsible for making their own money. And money typically only gets made when they are out there making it. And when we have technology available to us all day, and in our butt pocket, when we're at the traffic light, waiting for the light to turn green, and it's there to check email, how do we balance the tug to always be working more to make more money with the very real need to give ourselves a break from not just technology, but work? Oh, goodness. That's a loaded question. I have <laughs> so many different directions of answers with that. Because first off, if you're still selling time for money, you're going to get yourself in that issue. So a piece of that, that's pricing and packaging, there's a piece of it that is stepping back from the work that you do and dedicating time to put the right technology in place to automate non-value-added tasks so that you can free up your time. And then there's the piece where we need to be in control of our own time and not feel guilty or 
act like, you know, accounting is a uh, hair on fire every second thing. Usually people can wait at least 24 hours for an answer unless it's, you know, an absolute cash crisis. But for the most part, there's not a lot of accounting emergencies that you have to answer right away. So it's starting to allow yourself and be your own parent (laughs) to put guardrails around your time, but to set the right expectations with your clients of response time. Because if you are responding immediately, like I always say, like when I was a CPA firm partner, people would joke with me that I would reply faster than they send the message. (laughs) And no one expected a reply that fast. And actually, sometimes people don't even want it. They're kind of just sending it to get it off their plate. (laughs) And then you're sending it right back. So uh, I think it's important that you are putting guardrails around your time and setting expectations with the people around you. And if you start breaking that SLA, then what happens is, people will take advantage of you. So, you know, because they know you don't really mean it. So you have to be your own parent, discipline. And uh, it's really hard. It's a practice. And it's something you got to practice every single day. Gotcha. And tell us what SLA is. Uh, So standard response time. So you say to a client, you know, expect that I will get back to you within 24 hours of an email or 48 hours of an email or it's going into a a customer response system. So again, when you automate, if this is an issue for you because you can't handle it when the email comes to you, you have a customer contact email. You don't give your personal email Mm -hmm. and it goes through an automated system that will allow people to know we've received it. It's in queue. We will get back to you. Um, and at least allows people to know that it's being handled. So that's that's the thing that clients don't like. If they think they have no idea when you're going to get back to them, then that's when you keep getting pinged and, and so forth. As long as you communicate and say, I will get back to you by a certain time, most people are okay with that because they know, you know, and if they're not, they're going to say to you, no, I actually need this answer right away. And then you know you've got to reprioritize something else. But most people will be like, okay, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We just have to be okay with that. Yeah. And if you have a client who isn't okay time after time with waiting 24 hours for a reply, it may not be the right client for you. Yeah. So it's it's important to set up your own personas of the type of customers you want to be working with. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do not take the time to do that and know like which clients are your best clients. So you might, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. You might be spending 80% of your time on clients that bring you 20% of your profit versus vice versa, Mm -hmm. you know, you've really got to take a good look at your clients and say, these are the types of clients that are best for me to work at. I provide the most value. They're the friendliest, most understanding. A good test of this is if someone calls you and you see their name on your phone and you don't want to pick it up, this is not the customer persona you want to have in your business. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Otherwise known as the cringe factor. Exactly. Good person, but maybe not the best client for you. Yes. Which is okay. I mean, we all figure this stuff out as we go, who, who we're great working with and for, and who we're not so great working with and for. For sure. And then as long as you have people to refer them to, you still handled it with care. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like you're just cutting someone off. You're just saying what's right for me, but I've got 
other relationships that are a better fit for you. Yeah. And I love that handle it with care. I think a lot of, um, I know that my clients are sometimes reluctant to pass people on because they don't, it's, it can be quite black and white for them. Either they're like, they don't know who to send them to. And so they wait and they wait and they wait and they keep them on because they just can't, they can't navigate how releasing them with care, what that actually looks like. So they hang on to them and they get increasingly cringy with that client. And then when the time does come around, the desired correspondence that they want to send, I usually, hopefully I can get in there and rein them in before they actually send that. <laughs> but it's like, you're not a good fit for me in my business anymore. Let me send you to this person. Right. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Let's handle this with care. There's still a graceful way to do this. Absolutely. I still want to dig in a little bit to the tug of the email at all hours pull because it's such a strong, it seems like gravitational force to just quote unquote check in to see if any of my clients need me. So for people who really struggle with that, what do you have in way of tips or tricks to resist the tug to pull out your phone and open up your email app? Well, I'll address it from not opening it to opening it in a way that you can handle when you open it to get yourself weaned off. (laughs) (laughs) So I live by my calendar and I think it's really important that you're blocking time on your calendar, just like it is a client. And when it's stuff that you need to do that you are utilizing the technology tools to say the do not disturb, don't see the notifications, put the phone away so that you don't get distracted to go look at it. And that time for yourself is extremely important. There is a misnomer that working more hours creates more productivity. All the research shows we're really most productive two to eight hours a day, period, depending on the person and how you structure your day. So the more hours that you work, there's diminishing returns. You're just tired, you're pushing yourself and your brain is not at its optimum place. And when we work, we need to make sure it's focus work. So we think we're multitasking, but we're not multitasking. There is no such thing. Our brain can't do it. We actually lose points in our IQ when we try to multitask. We get distracted every three minutes on average by an email, a text, an instant message, So now we've got Slack and Teams and all these other ways to be interrupted. And it takes us 23 minutes to get back to the thought pattern we were in if we get distracted by a notification. And that means in our personal life, if we're with friends or family or clients and so forth. And the problem is all that does is waste time and create extra work as the day rolls on because then you didn't get that work done in the 20 minutes and it's still got to get done. And then if you're meeting with somebody and you're getting distracted by a notification, then what happens is that person feels like they're not important because you just showed them that you went and checked an email or checked something else versus staying focused on that present moment with that person. And even if you don't intend to make them feel bad, it just happens. So It's important that we stay really focused on how we utilize. I mean, the technology developers know that they created addictive people and they have put so many different tools in place so that we don't get addicted and we start reducing the screen time and, and we make sure that we pull ourselves away. But 
again, we have to be our own parent. If, if we're not going to do it ourselves, there's no one that's going to make us, you know, so we have to make sure we put parameters on it. I would say if you have trouble not responding, there are tools within email to schedule an email. So if we're going to change someone's uh, expectation and we're not ready to not respond because we want to clear out that email, save it and schedule it. Do not send it right away. Hmm. If it's seven o'clock at night and you see this email and you're like, oh, I have to respond, respond, schedule it to go out at 8 a.m. the next day. Because once you set that expectation every time that you're going to send emails at 10 o'clock at night and eight o'clock at night to your clients, then they start having an expectation that you are going to do that. So if you feel you need to respond, respond, but don't have it sent so that at least you know that work got done and it's one little way to wean off and then you'll start getting better and better. This is all really real for me, I think, and my clients, because (laughs) right before this call, as it was scheduled in my calendar to be prepping for our conversation, (laughs) guess who was listening to two Voxer messages from clients, (laughs) right? And I knew I shouldn't. I was like, no, 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 don't look. But my clients are important to me. And I'm like, I want to hear what they had to say. Right. And it's only a minute. It'll only take a second. And then just prior to that, I was working with a client and you can hear the bing, 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 bing. And you can, I can see their eyes kind of glance over. So I think, you know, we know this in theory and we have such a hard time in practice actually doing it. And it's an addiction. It's a dopamine hit every time someone needs us. Or <laughs> wants it. And, and it's like, it can be nothing. It can be an office depot email, yeah, <laughs> marketing email, but we hear the ding, we see it come through and then immediately it's like, who wants us? So it's important that we are understanding that we can turn that off Hmm. if we choose. But again, no one can make us turn that off unless we're actually turning it off. And I think one of the worst things is, you know, so many parents complain about their kids, but you see them with their family and the kids are sitting there in silence with the parents on the phone and the technology and so forth. And so you know, we, we have to, we can't just complain it's happening around us. We have to look at ourselves and say, what little impacts can I make in my life today that will make a difference for tomorrow? I secretly wonder if it's about not wanting to disappoint people. (laughs) (laughs) But that's about you. Well, yeah. Right. That that's about us individually. So again, that's fine. If we, if we say to ourselves, Oh, I don't want to disappoint them okay, that's an observation internally of a feeling that we're having. And then we have to analyze why do we have that feeling? Where, where is yeah, that, that thought? Is that actually coming from the client? Or is that actually coming from something in my past or ways I've grown up that I am putting that expectation on myself? And then I need to look at that as a separate entity outside of me and work on that and not keep using it. Well, my clients would never, you know, well, have you talked to them? You know, have you surveyed them, what their expectations are and so forth? Um, Because most people want those guardrails in their own life. So they're not expecting it from you. As long as you communicate again, if you say, I will get back to you by four o'clock tomorrow, you won't hear from them. Yeah. It's really about sticking, about communicating your boundaries and then sticking to them and not just letting it slide. And pretend like you didn't even make them. 
but that can be a really hard step to do. So you find small ways to do it first. You try with one client and then you try with two clients and like, you don't have to bite it all off at the same time. Like you start, it's a practice, just like anything you do different in life. You have to, when you exercise, you're going to get no results if you don't exercise on a regular basis. Right. This is no different. Yes. Once a week for 15 minutes isn't going to get you there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so you're exercising your mind. Yeah. You're actually training it to think different. Okay. And that's a really hard thing to do. And so you have to be your own coach and and make sure that that you are setting that goal each week. I'm going to do this with one client this week. I'm going to do this with two clients this week. I'm going to tell my staff save it for a one-on-one meeting, make a list, whatever it is that you need to do to start feeling like, okay, does this work? And then what was their response? And then did I really miss anything when I waited, you know, and then start adding it up. And then if you got good results, you keep adding more. Okay. I got it. So note to self for me is I seriously, I'm not kidding. I need to schedule Voxer check-ins in my calendar. Absolutely. Rather than just let it happen as they come in. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think is important as far as our calendar. So I'm a big proponent of 25 meetings instead of 30 minutes and 50 minute meetings instead of an hour. Yeah. Because people will use up the amount of time you give them even if they're repeating themselves. Yes. So if they know there's a limited amount of time, they will make sure to get across what they need to get across in that amount of time. Yeah. And then when you know you have a moment between meetings, you can check the emails, you can check box or whatever it is that you know that you don't have to get distracted during that meeting because you built in times during your day to check in. Or you're going to go get up from the desk and go take a walk during that time or close your eyes for a short meditation, whatever it is to shift your energy before you go into that next meeting and feel a little less stressed that you got some things taken care of. Yes, I love that. Okay, so in order to begin recouping back more time once you've nailed the notification thing, how do we begin to shift our business models out of hourly based and into value based? What are your sort of top tips for making, beginning to make that transition? First off, you need to step back from your business in order to make these decisions. We can't be operating as we are and then have the space for creativity if we don't dedicate time to it. Just like I talked about with your calendar, you have to block time for your own business. It's not working in the business. It's working on the business. There's a difference. Uh, One of the things that is your first place to look is your why. why. Why do you do what you do? What makes you excited to get up in the morning? What are the types of clients you love to work with? What is the type of work that you love to do? So for example, I own a yoga studio. I'm a CPA. If I would look at my why and why I would be in business today, if I had an accounting practice, I would want to help health and wellness businesses because if I keep them open, then all of their customers keep gaining the benefits that those businesses offer. So there's a bigger why behind the work than a profit and loss and a balance sheet. It's that I want to really help these people because I like being in the industry. I like to understand the best practices of that industry. 
I love seeing the benefits of my ideas and how I can help those businesses. Once I understand my why, then I know like this is my target that I want to be going after. So if I go after that target, then I also need to look at what type of technology does this type of clientele utilize? So that when I am setting up an accounting system, it's automated, right? That it integrates with the type of technology that they use with their clients, that they use internally, that I'm not having to do a lot of manual work and so forth. So if I can't figure out how to automate the work, I can't free up my time in order to package and price properly. I always look at technology as, you know, it's it's an automation of work where you know, if, if you're a sole proprietor, you don't have that many people that work for you, let the technology do the heavy lifting. Yeah. But it takes time to test that, make sure it's working, work with three or four of your clients as you're doing this stuff in parallel with your systems today, getting their feedback, making changes and iterating until you come up with a system that you're like, okay, this is, the automation I'm going to utilize in my business. And I want to be able to spend at least once a week with my clients for at least an hour or once a month or every other week, whatever that is, to go over these dashboards, to talk about their business, to get my hands dirty and understanding their operations so that I can give them better advice. There is not a time value to that. There is an expertise value to that. First off, they could never duplicate your IP in how you set up all those systems and in the knowledge that you have as an expert in that area, because you're in that niche all the time. You're working with a bunch of clients in that niche and you're keeping up with all the regulation and things that they need to know because you're so focused in different industries. And that starts creating a value that there, it's not time bound. Yeah, you're really able to provide much more value once you're doing that than when you're simply providing statements at the end of the month. Yes. So this makes me think, how has you owning a yoga studio shifted your perspective on the accounting industry? So I've always been an entrepreneur. And one of the things is my background was I started in KPMG and audit. I didn't choose the tax path. Not that I couldn't do my own tax return, but I don't because I want someone that is working in tax every day and keeps up with the rules and regulations. I have had the hardest time finding a tax accountant that will talk to me, that will strategize, that will think through issues with my business. And I can tell you as a small business owner, there is nothing more frustrating that you are paying a fee for someone to put something through a software that I could probably do. And half the time I'm checking over things they missed because they didn't ask the right questions. The best tax accountant I ever had was not a CPA, but you would do your tax return sitting in front. He would do it with you while you were sitting at his desk. And so as he was going thing, he was asking you questions and like, oh, well, we could take a deduction for that. Or we could take, most tax accounts are just saying, give me everything and I'll just shoot it through the software. Instead of looking at what other deductions are there, what other strategies, maybe there's things about the business that I don't understand or their finances and so forth. And those questions are so important on a personal basis, on a business basis. And 
if you're not comfortable asking those questions, what you really need to think about is that it's not just about the technical training that you do every year. You need soft skills training as well. It is just as important, if not more important, to securing a relationship and upping your price because most people will pay more for an accountant that's saving them money, that's giving them um, advice when they are trying to go into new service lines or acquiring a new business. And the questions that they don't know the answers to, that's why they're coming to you. Yep. Okay. So the CPA is going to be listening to this and protesting because they're going to be like, well, I can't, I would love to do that, but I can't do that because I don't have time to do that. Because, okay, well, you should let go of some of your clients. So you have time to do the higher level service. Well, I can't let go of my clients because they're my bread and butter because those are the people I need to in order to do the work. And so how am I supposed to get time back if I'm, if I can't get rid of these people who pay me? So like, what's the, they get caught in circular reasoning. So what's the path out of that? Well, a couple of things in there. One thing is just because you're bringing in money doesn't mean they're profitable. So you do need to do an analysis of how profitable each client is. Too many times in firms, there's focus on the top line revenue number and not how many write-offs, how many hours you're spending and so forth on, on different clients. So you need a good analysis on how valuable are your clients. But secondly, I'm not going to say it's easy when you get started. Yes, you will probably invest more time in order to get the rewards later. But it's an entrepreneurial thing that when you try something new, that there's an investment of time to do it in order to make that conversion. That's one thing. Second thing, it might be an investment of money that you need to hire in some subcontractors, um, people to help you with that compliance you know, routine work or bookkeeping work so that you can free up your time to look at the future of your business. But the theme is investment, time or money. You got to want to do it. And so if you want to do something, you can't keep putting up walls like, again, that it's everybody else's fault, that you're going to actually have to jump in and say, this is my investment and making sure that this happens. So I want to jump over to your podcast because you interview some really interesting women who are in this profession. And men. And men. Yeah, there's been a lot of women lately, but okay. yes. It's I haven't heard. Yeah. Okay, I will listen for the men. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have lots of interesting stories to share. What common threads weave through them and if you could share a message to all of them, and they probably overlap with my audience, what would you say? Whether, and, and this is the interesting thing, it is not a woman or man issue. There is an imposter syndrome issue no matter who you are. Whether it's an issue of being shy, whether it's an issue of not feeling like you're not good enough, most people in their stories is somehow... Something in childhood, whether it was the way they grew up and they were embarrassed of how they grew up or they were shy, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, family circumstances, that sticks with people. And we don't see that on the outside. We don't wear that. So we don't know what we're interacting with. And sometimes what we see on the outside of people are, is people actually protecting themselves of being afraid you're going to see who they really are. 
And what most people find on the journey is when they start exposing who they really are, that's when life starts opening up. Being really self-aware and also admitting when you're not perfect, that it's okay, that people actually don't expect perfection. We expect a lot more for ourselves, you know, than others. I mean, we teach uh, at the studio meditation, you know, all the time. And one of the things in our beginning meditation that we talk about is the fact that most of the time meditation is uncomfortable because we hear the thoughts that we're actually saying to ourselves and we wouldn't actually be our own best friend. (laughs) We are our worst enemy. And when you open up your ears and you hear what's in between them, you're like, Oh, I don't like this. Like, can I, how fast can this yoga thing be done? Exactly. Get me out of here. 90 minutes. No, (laughs) (laughs) not that I've ever been there. Of course. (laughs) Well, and, and it takes a lot of courage to be alone with yourself and allow those thoughts to come up, but it's not judging yourself. And so when you actually observe that you're having that feeling because of you, not because of somebody else. So even when you're saying earlier, you know, like they'll be disappointed if I don't do this and so forth. Well, is that them or is that your own? Like, I know for me, like I had a huge, you know, growing up to please everybody and, you know, and so forth. Well, that doesn't go away just because, you know, you started a career and and so forth. You know, it, it really becomes you of like, who really cares except me? And I need to start shifting myself of taking the best things, but also not being so hard on myself internally as well, because you start driving yourself and you're too stressed. It causes health issues and it causes relationship issues. Yeah. Nobody wins in that game. No. Amy, this has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on the podcast. So much good stuff in that conversation. My takeaways on the notifications and self-discipline is that no one can do it for you. Just like no one can eat for you and no one can sleep for you, no one is going to turn off your notifications for you and no one is going to focus for you. The other turn of phrase that I appreciated was handle your relationships with care. I do see my own clients getting stuck here, especially as updating your business model often requires finding new accountants for your current clients. If you position it in your mind as doing this with grace and kindness and care, it can make the process easier to take. I also want to add my own take on the phrase, I don't want to disappoint people. You may have noticed that this phrase got called a feeling, and I want to clarify that this is in fact a thought and not a feeling. This clarification is important because in the vernacular, we say feelings are true and real and feelings are always right. However, I don't want to disappoint people is in fact a thought and it shouldn't be taken inadvertently as true because it's accidentally believed to be a feeling when it's not. The other piece of this is people will often say, you can't please everyone, to which I say, you can't please anyone. It's just not in your power. And if you have done something before and another person has been happy, remember that correlation does not imply causation. All right, listeners, if you want to find out more about Amy's work, you can find her at amyvetter.com and you can follow her on Twitter at amyvetter CPA. 
If you want help getting your practice up to the next level, getting from 150 clients down to 20, and getting control of your time back while making more money without working harder, I can help you make that transformation. Put 15 minutes on my calendar. Just go to shethinksbigcoaching.com and click on the big fat red schedule time with me button. You'd be surprised at how much ground we can cover in that time. So I hope you'll take me up on the offer. All right, that's it from me. I'll see you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.